0: You are listening to the WPPI Podcast, and I am your host, Elena S. Blair. I am a Seattle-based family and newborn photographer, and I've been in the biz for 13 years. I attended my first WPPI conference 11 years ago, and I can say without a doubt that it changed my art, my business, and my life. I wholeheartedly believe in community over competition and know that I grew my community because of WPPI. We are going to bring you real conversations with industry experts to share their journey, passion, and knowledge with you. And of course, to share their WPPI story. Thank you so much for being here. Let's dive in. All right, everybody. I am so excited for this conversation. Sandra and I go way back, so this will be pretty easy. You're basically getting a little preview onto a normal conversation that she and I have pretty regularly. Uh, Sandra, I can't believe that I get to talk to you on a podcast about WPPI because I know I know, <laughs> I know that that uh, this conference has a special place in your heart as well. How are you doing? Happy New year
1: Happy New Year to you. I know I'm so excited about it. I was actually thinking about it today you know before logging on to talk to you about how we have kind of come up in WPPI together, so it's yes. like really fun to be able to have this conversation with you.
0: I know it's kind of full circle, isn't it? yeah. Well, one thing that I want to start with is I want you to tell me a little bit about, or I guess I should say tell our audience a little bit about your story. Because in our industry, one thing that is unfortunate is that people don't last. And that's that's a horrible thing to say. That's not very mm-hmm, uplifting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's the reality of the industry that we end. in. There's a lot of turnover. You, however, have been in this business for over 20 years. I think it's no secret. Anyone that that knows our relationship knows that I will say, you're not just one of my best friends. You are a mentor to me. And so what, what can you share about your journey and how you have made it not only last that long, but you have thrived for 20 plus years? So can you tell us a little bit about your journey?
1: Yeah. So- 2023, I'm going into my 24th year of business. Like, and even saying that out loud blows my mind. Yeah, wow. I know, right? Like, when I started, (laughs) I certainly didn't think that that was going to be the case. So I started, like, a lot of photographers do, honestly. And that was like sort of by accident. I was a kindergarten teacher at the time. And even though I had a full time job as a teacher, I was really struggling to make ends meet. And actually, my first year teaching, I qualified for food stamps, which is really sad. And I was in a school that had a lot of new teachers in it. I was in kind of a a hard neighborhood. And most of the teachers there had a second job. And most of them waited tables or cocktailed or something like that. And I was teaching kindergarten, which is exhausting, right? So at the end of the day, there was no way I had the energy to go out and wait tables or you know, cocktail or something. So, I didn't want to do that, and um, but I desperately needed to be making more money. And so, about that same time, um, I had taken some maternity photos of my friend Ginger when she was pregnant with her first baby, just like kind of a lark. You know, it was the '90s, and we were all still like. Really reeling from that beautiful Annie Leibowitz photo of Demi Moore that kind of launched the maternity industry, you know. And yeah. so we had taken some pictures like that of her and she loved them. And one night we were sitting around having dinner and I was, you know, talking about how uh, I was really struggling financially. And, it, you know, Ginger was like, You should offer pictures like the ones you took of me to make some extra money. And so that's what wow. I did. And I had. no portfolio, no connections, no website, no nothing. I took one picture of Ginger and I turned it into a postcard that I put my name and, you know, my contact information on and like a quote from the little prince or something. And I just drove all around town and I put that postcard in every maternity store and yoga studio, you know, a hairdresser shop, anywhere I thought my potential client could be, I put that postcard in and people started to call, which kind of blew my mind. I still remember the name of my first client, the first person who paid me <laughs> after That's awesome. all these years. I remember and, too. I know, right? And then <laughs> yeah. um, it just kind of took off. So within about a year and a half of that, I went to part-time teaching. teaching, And then three years later, I quit my teaching job and I've been doing it ever since. And the rest is history. The right? rest is history, exactly.
0: <laughs> what I love about that story is it you know, 24 years ago, that's pre social media, that's pre the way that we market our businesses right now. Mm-hmm. And but hearing that those tactics, those little boots to the ground marketing efforts that you had, that would still work now. If oh, anyone totally. that's listening that that needs a little extra marketing boost, that would still work today. It's just mm-hmm. that we forget that we can do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, a hundred percent. Now, you know, getting from that place to where I am now has certainly been a journey. But I kind of like sharing my story because if you know this. Like so many photographers start that way, where we just kind of fall into it or we start doing it kind of by accident, but we never actually think that it's going to become a job, right? Let alone like a 20 plus year career, but it can. And this industry has been so good to me and, you know, completely changed the trajectory of my life or what I thought I was capable of having or doing. And I'm just really grateful to it for that.
0: You know, I love that you said that and something that I know that you and I both like to talk about is how so many people don't take it seriously and don't trust that it can be something that's profitable and sustainable. I was a nurse so we have a similar story. I had, you know, the the safe job that made no money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, well, I got benefits, so that means this is working, right? And it wasn't. I remember a time when I like couldn't afford socks for my kid because we were gonna overdraw before our next paycheck. And it's so interesting because there's a mindset shift that has to happen for you to be able to trust that your artistry and your business can be what sustains your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And you know, you and I both know that you can the sky's the limit once you once you start taking that, you know, making that shift in your mindset.
1: Yeah, but you know, that took me personally a really long time to come to. I Mm -hmm. was like eight years into my career. And on the verge of quitting, I had newborn twins at the time, and I was like, this isn't working. And it kind of took me getting to that place before I decided that I needed to make that mindset shift. That was hard for me to (laughs) out. I needed to make that change in how I was thinking, and I needed to start treating my business like a business. And when I started treating my business like a business, guess what?
0: It started working out. (laughs) Yeah. You got that was it. You really to... the
1: turning point for me.
0: Absolutely. I know that something that you talk about a lot is consistency. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you are an expert at, and anyone here who hasn't read Sandra's book, she has literally written the book on uh, natural-looking artificial light. So totally opposite of what I do. You know, do you, how do you feel like that played, that that piece, you know, the um, starting to use artificial light and getting that consistent lighting. How do you think that played a role in your consistency and ability to make this into something that's more serious?
1: Oh yeah. It was absolutely pivotable. Pivotal? Oh my God. It
0: was absolutely
1: <laughs> pivotal. Um so my story, right? Like I'm cruising along and struggling, blah, blah, blah. I did like five years of weddings. That was a disaster. I made every single mistake that a photographer can make. And like I said, I got to the point, it was 2007, end of the year, 2007. This isn't working. I'm going to quit. And instead of quitting, I decided to get curious. And I was like, okay, why isn't this working? What is What is going on? And I started really looking hard at the things that weren't working in my business. And one of the things that stood out straight away was a consistency problem. So I relied exclusively on natural light at the time I had started out as a film photographer, right? Because I started in the nineties. So everybody was Mm -hmm. a film photographer and then I had moved to digital, but it wasn't really working for me. I wanted to go back to film, but I also knew that you know, relying exclusively on natural light when you're living and working in Seattle, Washington as a film photographer, you know, was really a challenge. And that challenge was causing inconsistency in my work. So the work that I would produce, you know, in the summer months when I had plenty of light looked a lot different than the work I was able to produce in November when it's dark by 3.30 in the afternoon, you know? Did you have a studio at that time as well? I did, or- actually. Okay, I had, you did. But I was new to it. So I okay. um, I had had an in-home studio for a long time. And then when the twins were born, my twins were born, I realized I couldn't. Have an in home studio, right? Like, I had had a session at my in home studio, and the boys were with a babysitter, and I could hear them, and like they were crying, and I could hear, you know, like my milk was coming in because I could hear, (laughs) like, it was awful. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. So I got into a studio outside my home in 2008. So that's kind of like when this shift started, but you know, 2008. So I was trying to reboot my business, I was moving into a new studio, I was realizing I had all these inconsistency problems, I was starting to get the idea that I needed to learn how to use artificial light, I was trying to save my business, oh, just as the recession was happening in 2008. So it was certainly like a nail biter couple of years. But that whole journey did bring me to developing this system that I now use and have taught, you know, thousands of photographers, how to create that natural light look with a strobe and a flash. Because prior to that, everything I found on using artificial light made it look really complicated. I didn't want that. It made, you know resulted in images that looked like they were taken with studio lighting which is beautiful and you know can be a style in and of itself but that's not what I wanted. I wanted something that looked like the window light that I would get on a perfect day because I wanted consistency, right? Like I wanted yeah. the pictures that I was taking in November just to look like the pictures I was taking in July when I had enough light coming through my windows. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I started working on developing and that's what I created and when I finally got it and I was able to really get comfortable with it and start doing it consistently. That's when everything changed in my business because that consistency piece is so important, right? You, your clients need to be able to trust you. They need to be able to look at your portfolio and know that if they hire you and pay you, they're going to get that kind of work from you. And Studio Light gave me the confidence and the skills to be able to do that for people.
0: Amazing. What I think is so incredible about our industry, if you're listening and wondering if you need to use studio light is that you can do it the way that calls to you. Mm-hmm. Where I don't know how to use studio lights or even own a flash, but I have, you know, designed my business as such to be really busy during the months when it's okay and slower during the other months where yours is much more, you know, it's evenly distributed. Yeah. So uh, and if the, for those of you that don't know this as well, Sandra and I live in Seattle, Washington, both of us. So we always say, you know, it's it's awesome because we are best friends and literally competing for the same clients. And it doesn't matter. We're both thriving because we have different brands. You know, we have mm-hmm. different client bases. So anyway, I love that. I love that about your story. And I think that it's absolutely true that your light looks like natural light. I think people probably think you have a natural light studio, I think, when they, until they know who you are. but
1: Oh, they do. Like, I have clients who yeah. do that all the time who are kind of surprised <laughs> when they walk in and it's like kind of a dark studio. My studio isn't like a traditional studio, it used to be a doctor's office before I took it over. So it doesn't look like what I think people think it's going to look like. And then I had like this job set up, and I, my clients all the time are like, oh, I thought everything was just window light. Like,
0: right. Yeah. Awesome. That's so cool. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about WPPI for a minute because I know that, you know, as I said in the beginning, we both have a a little bit of a WPPI story Mm -hmm. and I want to hear yours. I want you to tell me a little bit about your WPPI story. Oh, I love WPPI. (laughs) Me too. Uh (laughs) It's It's a a soft soft spot in my heart.
1: I know. So it's funny because for years and years and years and years, I was really afraid of WPPI, and um, I don't know. I think that's kind of common, you know, when I talk to people because it just seemed so big. It seemed Mm -hmm. untouchable, you know. And the first time I went to WPPI, I was actually actually asked. To come by Richard Photo Lab, which is the lab I use for my film. And they had asked me to come and speak at their booth. And so I was like, okay, here I go. And I was just blown away. I was blown away. You know, I had got, I was always like so afraid of it and it seemed so untouchable. And then I got there and it was so fun and people were so warm and so welcoming. And it just felt, So good to be surrounded by this community, you know, like our, our industry can be really isolating and it was really nice. And at that point I became obsessed. (laughs) And then the next year I was asked back to WPPI as an official WPPI speaker. I think that was in 2017, 2018. And then I've been, I've been going back and speaking ever since. And now I just look forward to it every year. I was reflecting on on it earlier today because I knew I was going to talk to you, and you know it's amazing to me not like like what that conference has given me. I look back on some of the most influential friendships and professional relationships that I've had in my career, and I can trace them all back to
0: WPPI. Wow, mm-hmm. that's that's incredible.
1: I know. I feel I the it.
0: same way actually and i think that one of the one of the surprising things about a big conference like that is that you make those connections in the social settings mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are that surround it so yes the conference is big and sometimes it's like you know a little bit overwhelming but there's all these opportunities to meet people that you would never meet in real life and there is i think that last year for example To me, anyway, and I think maybe you felt this way as well. I had thought, you know, we've been doing so much online; like maybe we can do all of this online. And then when we got together all in that room last year, I was like, "Nope, irreplaceable." Yeah,
1: Yeah. no, it's irreplaceable. I remember my first year at WPPi. (laughs) I was at a party, you know, one of the get-togethers, and literally, like, bumped my booty into Kelly Brown, and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) "I just bumped into Kelly
0: Brown." (laughs) <laughs>
1: yes. and those sorts of things happen you know which is so fun and you realize mm-hmm. that we're all just in this together you know which mm-hmm. i love that's where i got you know i met my friends at kodak and ended up having you know you know i ended up with a year-long project i did with them i was asked to be on the beta team for when they released ectochrome you know mm-hmm. like all these you know Amazing experiences with Kodak that I got from WPPI. It's where I met my publisher that then led to my book, you know, like all these incredible experiences, like lifelong friends. And I just, I love that conference.
0: I think um another really awesome thing about it as well is simply the expansion of being able to see like our industry is thriving mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and you can kind of get in your own little silo at, at home and if the, if things aren't aren't going exactly how you want or even if they are and you're feeling burnt out i don't know the whole gamut of owning your own business but you go into this this little or big, you know, community, and you're like, wow, we have this beautiful, thriving industry. And I I always come back so inspired.
1: I do too. And the other thing I want to say to that too, is I think sometimes, I don't know, like people love to talk about the photography industry, about how it's so cutthroat and it's all competitive. And you go to WPPI and you realize that's not true. Like we have a thriving industry, a thriving community full of people who just really want to help each other that are there to support each other. And, you know, that f- feeling like seeing that, you know, is reason enough to go to the conference because
0: it's so Absolutely. inspiring and it feels so good. Absolutely. You know, that, that brings me to a question I want to ask you, and that is, you know, I know that you and I both know that in order to really thrive in our industry, you have to have a community behind you, right? Like, hundred percent. I think I, I I went a couple years before I realized that, and I was drowning. And as soon as I, you know, found that community, things changed. But I want you to tell me a little bit about about how you found your community in our industry, and how have you really how, how have you cultivated that? I guess. Mm.
1: Gosh, that's a really good question.
0: So um, important, right? It's like so community important. is everything. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think at the beginning of my career, I definitely had that mindset that you uh, you couldn't share, you couldn't talk, you, you know, like that. You got to play your cards yes. close to the chest. It's not who I am as a person, and so that was really hard for me, and I didn't like it, and I think it kept me playing small. And I mm-hmm. think as soon as I learned to find friends in the industry and share and, you know, really embrace that. My confidence changed, my growth changed. I mean, nobody can work in a silo. We're not meant Mm -hmm. to do that as humans. And so having a community is just like so important. And so, yeah, so I found people in the industry who I trust, who I know have my back, who if I need to ask questions, I can go and ask questions to, and they're not going to judge me. They're going to help me. Um,
0: And I keep those people close. right? You know, what it makes me think of is you're saying, you know, there are so many people in our industry that want to hold all of their secrets close to their chest that, I mean, I feel like there's some bullying that goes on. We don't need Mm -hmm. to get really into that. But well, I think that the reason that people do that is that that lack mindset, they're afraid they're going to be copied. And I, why why I'm saying that is you and I have both been copied pretty blatantly. Mm-hmm. And so, which I want to ask you, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with what? Because you're pretty transparent. I know I'm really transparent. I'm just like, whatever, here it is. This is what I do. And um, how do you deal with that emotion of being, or I don't know if emotion is the right word, but when you know somebody has copied you?
1: Well, you know, I, I, you know, this, I talk about this all the time. This is like at the core of my business philosophy. I've said it on stage a thousand times since I started speaking on stages back in 2016. You are the only person on the entire, in the entire world on the planet who can see and capture something the way you see and capture it. The reality is it is impossible for two people to see something the exact same way. It just isn't. And you know, when you can really lean into that, you know, as a visual artist and as a business person and really get into what it is that you do, you're the only person who can do it. You're the only person who's going to bring that level of passion or insights or whatever you have into it. So even if people are attempting to mimic you or copy you, they're not you. Yeah. And so they're never going to be you. And So, when that has happened to me in the past, and it happens to me all the time, I just bless and release because they're not me. And so they're going to be on their journey. And what I also know is that the real secret of to success is figuring out what you do and just doing it fearlessly. And you know, What I would say to people who are, who do feel the need to mimic or who do feel the need to quote unquote, be inspired, you know, (laughs) other people like be inspired, learn from other people, all that. Yes, 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 yes. But at the end of the day, the real magic is going to come in your work and in your business when you can, you know, really get in touch with that thing that you do. What do you do? What is your voice? You know, what is your take on something and
0: really lean into it. Yeah, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants, right? That's the quote. Uh-huh. I don't remember who said it, but it's so true. And it's really very easy to kind of cross that line of inspiration in the beginning. So, any of you who are listening who are thinking, "Wait, am I copying somebody?" Like it, it happens. We all, ca- but you'll know because you feel out of alignment. You're, you feel burnt out. You don't feel inspired, and that's because you've probably. Lost sight of what you do. Lost sight right, of who right. you are as an artist.
1: Yeah, the real magic in business and in art is really getting in touch with your voice mm-hmm. and your calling. I mean, it changes everything. Like yeah. that's what you know. Like I feel like that's that's even how I like came to my style, which is very distinctive. You know, like it's how I came to my lightning style. I just put on blinders. I got to a point. And 2008, 2009, when I was making all these changes where I just didn't, I mean, intentionally, I didn't look at anybody else's work. I didn't engage with with you know, anybody else's business, I just put on blinders and focus like a laser at figuring out what do I do? What is my style? What is the light I like? How am I going to create that? How do I want my work to look? And my work is really different. You know, mm-hmm. I work in studio, but I don't pose babies. <laughs> it's weird. I use film, but I use artificial light. My artificial light just look like artificial light. There's a lot of weird things that make up my brand, but it's my brand because I was able to put on those blinders and just like really focus on it. And I think it's, I mean, like, that's the magic. That's like figuring that part out is so important. Mm
0: -hmm. After I've um, coached somebody or worked with someone, uh, sometimes they'll say, okay, now who should I go be coached by? Or now, now what should I do? Or who are you inspired by? And I always say like, take a minute now and coach yourself. Like take a minute and look now, now trust that you have the knowledge that you need to implement and make your own you know your own art your own vision whatever mm-hmm. there has to be a balance there all of a if you're listening to this podcast you're the type of person that is into personal development and wants to better yourself and we're all that way but there is a time when you have to just like like you just said Sandra put those blinders on and really look inward and and start really being your true self, as trite as that sounds. Mm-hmm. No, it's like journey to bliss, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so, so true. All right, so that back to the community piece, though. I, You know, with WPPI being such a big event, would you give anyone any advice on how to make sure that they are making those connections when they're there?
1: Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to talk to people. You know, I've met wonderful people that have become friends who have come up to me to talk to me after one of my talks or, you know, on the show floor or whatever, you know, we're all in this together. And don't be afraid to go up and shake a hand. Or if you accidentally bump into Kelly Brown, say, hi Kelly Brown, I love you or whatever, you know, like, like I think, um, yeah, all of that is so important. So just, you know, get out there, go, go to the, Parties, go, you know, walk the show floor, talk to people,
0: shake hands, you know. Yeah, the show floor is my favorite. Oh, I love the show floor. Yeah, me too. Okay, so I want to ask you a couple more questions. I could keep this conversation going, but so what would you say to somebody? And I think you've kind of said it, but I want you to, you know, put it into a little piece of advice here. What would you say to someone who was just starting this journey as a photographer? Mm -hmm. Okay, you're just starting. if Feel you free need to ha- elaborate.
1: Yeah, okay. You're just starting, you know, like I said, spend some time figuring out what you do. This is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But start paying attention to the way you were shooting before you ever thought you would be a professional photographer. That's some really good clues there. What are you drawn yeah. to? What are your perspective? You know, like, like, what do you love? What kind of light do you love? How do you photograph people? You know, at, for myself, as an example, I went to... France the first time when I was 17 with part of the French group, right? And we were all sitting in front of the Louvre in front of the pyramids and everybody's taking pictures. And when we all got our pictures back, my pictures were all of people's faces, (laughs) not the pyramids, not the Louvre, not Paris. I was tight pictures of people's faces. That's a clue. I'm a portrait photographer. I love people. Mm -hmm. Um, So pay attention to little things like that. Get help where you need it. You You can fast track your career by taking a really good class by getting mentoring by you know reaching out to other photographers so do that you know there's no shame in that that's like take advantage of it go to things like WPPS PPS oh my god I can't talk today (laughs) go to things like WPBI learn from people you respect and admire who are in a position where you want to be eventually you know And build your tribe, like make sure you have people who have, who've got your back, that you have a good community so that you can ask questions that when you're feeling scared or you're in that, you know, imposter syndrome storm, you can have somebody talk you down from that. Those are my, I guess those are three pieces of advice. Sorry.
0: Yes. And Sandra and I talk each other down from imposter syndrome all the time. So just so Mm -hmm. you know, it is, it comes with the territory when you are Mm -hmm. in business for yourself in a creative business that is as personal as photography, I believe per- photography is very personal. I mean, some people will argue against me, but I think you're putting a little piece of yourself into every piece of art that you share with the world. It's really easy to feel like, like you're an imposter. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of talent in our industry, you know, but that's the, the, the antidote to that is to have people in your corner. Totally. So, <laughs> it's it's totally comes with the territory though, however. Yeah. All right. Awesome advice. Awesome advice. Okay. So what I want to ask you now is what is one thing that you can't live without in your photography business?
1: Mm,
0: that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can say maybe a few things. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> I would, my, my knee jerk reaction is to say I can't live without my lights. And my film, right? Like, I feel like those two things together are really like the Sandra Cone brand. Mm -hmm. I know how to work with natural light. I did it for the first 12 years of my career, right? Like, I know how to work with a digital camera, but I just, like, love my work and I love the look I get using film and studio lighting. And yeah, those are the two things.
0: You know, I think that people listening might hear the film word and think what? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even talked because about that. I know. So let and then we have some time. So I I actually would love for you to maybe, I don't know if you can simplify it, but maybe demystify the world of film. I it is it used to, obviously this is how we all started. I mm-hmm. started with a film camera in, you know, my early twenties in college, but I don't use film now, just to be clear. I am a digital photographer, but I want you to talk about that a little bit because I think people think of all the negatives, like how, no pun intended, but how uh, expensive, <laughs> how expensive it is and what, and you, and you know, those of us that are digital photographers are very much reliant on that instant gratification of seeing what the photo looks like immediately. So mm-hmm. talk about your film, like the, your right. choice. Why, with that. why
1: I still use film in yeah. 2023. I yes. get that question all the time time. Like why in a digital age, digital cameras are so good now. Why do you still use film? I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just kind of basically lazy. Like I feel like it's (laughs)
0: easier. Um, See, but that's the opposite of what a lot of people think. People don't think it's easier. So why is it, why, how is film easier?
1: Because you you just just... shoot it in camera the way the Lord intended and you're done. Like I can just shoot it in (laughs) camera and then I send it to my lab and it comes back and it's perfect. But okay. Why I love shooting film. First of all, when it comes to film, film stocks or whatever, I can get really dorky. But in a nutshell, there's no universal standard for color film. So what that means is that each film stock is a little bit different. So portrait 160 is a little bit different from portrait 800 or portrait 400. Or you know, so in that way, a chemistry film is sort of like a digital. You know what are what are the what are
0: those called like a like an like a preset. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's like a digital preset,
1: right? Like each, each canister is like a digital preset. And so in that way, I have a lot of creative choice over the tones I'm going to get. And, you know, we talked earlier about the importance of consistency. Well, one of the ways that you can really nail your consistency in your portfolio is making sure that your editing and your tones are consistent and using the same film stock is a really quick and easy way to do that. So that's number one. Number two, I trust film more than I trust digital. And I know that that blows people's minds, but hear me out. What I know is that I can't open a floppy disk that I used in college, right? That (laughs) I can't, you know, there's a lot of, you know, CDs that I was using, you know, a few years ago. You know, there's not even a CD player on any new computers, right? Like, I don't know where technology is. I don't know what's going to happen to cloud service or JPEGs in 50 years or 100 years or even 10 years. But what I do know is that the film negatives from my childhood, you know, from my parents' childhood, I can still print off of those. They're like an older technology, but they're still usable. They're still accessible. And from an archival perspective, like as a photographer, I feel like I'm a historian and that I'm an archivist for the families that I work with. And I trust the medium. I know that in 100 years, the families I work with can take the negatives from our shoot and their ancestors can still print those you know
0: i don't know where, do you, where that, do you store those do you keep all of your negatives from all of your I do. shoots oh my gosh <laughs> where in the world do those exist where do you store all those negatives i know
1: in the just, archives of Sandra Cohn photography i yeah, have i mean right. i have a pretty big studio you've been to my yes. studio and so yeah in the back room i have this massive film storage area and they're all stored by client name and shoot date
0: One thing that I love about film, and I think I would love to hear your perspective on this, is that I – so I have been told, and you probably hate when digital photographers say this, but I've been told that my work has a film-like quality. And I think it's because I'm not obsessed with that, like, tack – this is the word that digital photographers love – tack, sharp – over sharpening. The digital photos literally don't look real. Like the people have lost Mm -hmm. the softness of their skin and the texture Mm -hmm. of their skin. And I know that this is obviously a stylistic choice. If you want to do that and that works for you and that's what people are coming to you for, amazing. Like there is a market for everyone. But I really appreciate the softness of film. Mm -hmm. And like when you look at a person... You're not seeing their eyes, like every little facet of the color of their or eye. Or every single and ev- pore on yes. their nose. Yeah. And every hair. And like, I mean, obviously, I'm speaking to my own personal artistic style, and I just want people to look like people when I photograph them. And I, but I love that about film, though, that there's not that weird rule that we've put on ourselves as digital photographers you know, to like, I, I'll have students that are zooming in to every single photo that they're giving to their clients to make sure that the eyes are tack sharp. And I'm like, trust me, your clients aren't looking at that. That's like, we've we've conditioned ourselves to that. Don't, do you agree mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that's kind yeah, of a weird feel, thing? That we've well, done?
1: film isn't perfect. And Uh, film is softer. And that's why, you know, one of the the comments I get constantly about my work are the skin tones, like, oh, the skin's so glowy. How'd you get the skin? That's film because it is Mm -hmm. softer because you're not seeing every single pore on a person's face. And, and, you know, can you get that, can you achieve that liquid digital? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I shoot pretty wide open for that. Right.
1: Like, (laughs) yeah, I'm just lazy. I don't want to do it. So I just shoot in my camera, the way no, I, want I it love to look. it. Though. I meter it. And I, I also shoot wide open and I send it to the lab and they scan it and they turn it into a digital file and they send it back to me. And I send those to the clients. It literally takes me like five minutes to edit a session.
0: Wow. Anyone who's having editing issues, maybe you should think about film because that <laughs> is five minutes. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: I actually That's have incredible. a YouTube video where I shared my behind it. Like let's edit a session together. Boop boop, boop, boop boop And it's like
0: so easy. That's amazing. That is amazing. All right, well, we're kind of wrapping things up, which is sad. I always love talking to you, but I know, what I want, so what, what I would love for you to share with um, with our audience is why should and I think you've already said it, but let's just be totally direct. Why should someone come to WPPI? If someone's listening to this and they are on the fence, why should they come?
1: Because it's the best conference in the world. Because it's so fun. Because like I don't know of any other place where you can get the quality of speakers, the quality of education, the community, the social events. I mean, all of it, it's just, it's just WPPI. You got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Try it. If you've never been, at least try it once, right? Then you're going to be hooked. But you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, don't you think? I do think. I mean, the first time that I went, I remember thinking, oh, people are actually making this much money doing this. People are actually, this is their full-time job. What? Mm -hmm. It changed my life. It Mm -hmm. literally changed my life. And that's why I've become such an advocate for it. I've not missed a year since. That was in 2013. 12, 2012. I don't know, something like that, but a long time ago. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Give it one shot for sure.
1: It's so fun. And then when you're there, when you give it one shot, then, you know, come up and say, hi, I want to meet you.
0: (laughs) Yes. For sure. And that leads me to, Sandra, what is going on with you? How can people find you? Is there anything you'd like us to know about your, your community, your business, any new, off, new offers or things happening this year? And then how oh, can find Oh, I've got all you?
1: sorts of exciting things happening this year. I'm actually bringing Yay. in-person workshops back to my studio for the first time since 2019,
0: no, 2018.
1: Awesome. It's been a long time. 2019 I don't know but all I know is we've had a massive pandemic I don't know you know (laughs) PS. what I haven't had people in my studio in a long time um and I'm really excited to bring that back so people can follow me on Instagram at Sandra Cone C-O-A-N it's a weird spelling I have an educational website just for photographers share lots of good information there
0: sandraconeeducation.com and yeah all right awesome Well, it's been so great talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And as always, I just could talk for hours with you. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Have a good day.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the WPPI podcast. We will be releasing new episodes every single Wednesday. So make sure that you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to tune in so you never miss an episode. See you soon.